Welcome to Talking Business Now. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. We're talking business now with Ron Tite, the founder of Church Plus State. Ron is a former professional comedian, the executive producer and host of the podcast The Coup, and the author of the recently released book Think, Do, Say, How to Seize Attention and Build Trust in a Busy, Busy World. In this episode of Talking Business Now, Ron talks with us about the book and how consumers are no longer voting with their wallets, but instead with their time and attention. Welcome, Ron. Well, thank you, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. I am expecting big things from this interview today. Lots of takeaways. <laughs> oh, you will be, be sadly disappointed. No, 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 no. I, your book, I've been through it. And it's an amazing book. Before we dive into that, though, there's something else I'm interested in, and that is okay, you're a professional comedian. And then you move from being a professional comedian to working with a big multinational agency where you represented big brands like Microsoft and Volvo and Hershey and Johnson and Johnson. You were the executive creative director there. Then you founded your own agency, Church Plus State. Take us through that transition. I was actually working in the the agency, the multinational network agency, while I was kind of pursuing and starting stand-up comedy. I didn't really want to pursue either one full-time, so I always lived in both worlds. And then when things really started to develop on the speaking side, which is like the kind of the, another weird piece, right? Where mm. I, I loved getting laughter in comedy, in comedy clubs, in performing comedy. But what really, really fulfilled me was getting the silence that followed the laughter. And when I would go in and do speeches, I could set them up with the laughter and make people laugh. But it was the silence that followed that really, really inspired me, where I could deliver a message that meant something, made people think, and that made people stop, and that made people question their own behavior. And it just took the laughter, and it made it deeper and resonated with me on a, on a much deeper level. And I think it resonated with the audience on a much deeper level. And so, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, I just, I just wanted to pursue more of that emotion, that feeling. And as it started to grow, I really needed to control my own destiny. And things were happening within advertising at the same time where the entire system was being blown up and agencies were questioning how they would approach client problems and everything. And so I just thought, you know what, I need to just start my own thing so that I can speak what I want to speak and take on the clients that I want to take on and do it in a way that I want to do it in that is new and interesting. And the only way to do that is to, is to pull the entrepreneurial ripcord. So Church Plus State was born. I love that the name of that company. I imagine most of our listeners understand the connection there, but spell it out for us. Yeah, we, we pronounce it church and state, but as your listeners won't know that the logo is a plus sign. So, and the, But the plus sign is, even though we pronounce it and, the plus sign is really important. Within the advertising content ecosystem for years, we always claimed that there was a separation of church and state. And by that, we meant editorial content and advertising lived in two different worlds, right. completely dependent on one another. But you could not influence editorial by running an ad. You could never go to the, you know, USA Today or the New York Times and say, we'll run an ad if you write an article. They would never, ever let that happen. Well, now, given the proliferation of content choices and the desperation of the traditional media outlets and just the pure innovation being driven into the space, 
those lines no longer exist. And it is no longer the separation of church and state. It is the unification of church and state. Yes. And that doesn't mean that it's going to be crappy, and it doesn't mean that you have to sell your soul to do it. We know, as, as you mentioned off the top, you know, the consumers, they, vote, they don't vote with their wallets anymore. They vote with their time. And they like good stuff. And sometimes that good stuff comes to them via a brand. Another time it comes to them via a traditional media outlet. But good stuff is good stuff. And that really, it leads us right into this book, the Think, Do, Say. You released that, what, October 2019, late 2019, somewhere in the fourth quarter. So it's a new book. Why did you write it? Why now? I needed something to do while my son was napping. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I noticed that there was that there was a change happening and that I was dissatisfied with the response. And I was dissatisfied with the response from marketers and from leaders and from salespeople and from CEOs that the entire world was changing, but the responses were either old school let's just take a look at our vision statement kind of crap or really, really new school stuff, which was let's chase vanity metrics. And I thought, is no one going to get back to the basics here? I mean, come on. And so that's what came out of that. I'm just like, well, you know, put up or shut up. And so I decided to put up. And it really is that, that, that leaders and salespeople and organizations, when you can align what you think, what you do, and what you say. Now you build for long-term success, not short-term vanity success. That's a difficult thing to do because, as your subtitle says, you know, it's a busy, busy world. How to seize attention and build trust in a busy, busy world. You go so far as to say that Times Square is no longer just in Manhattan anymore. Talk to us about that, what you mean by that. Yeah, that's um, a metaphor that I thought summarize the entire approach. So on one hand, Times Square up top, if we consider that level up top where all the billboards are, well, that's where the establishment goes to play. And it costs a lot of money to be there. Mm -hmm. and, and those ads are really slick and really professional. And the photography is fantastic, of course. You know, there's about 400,000 people that walk or drive through Times Square every single day. So we know. This is a place that's filled with opportunity, that everybody wants to be there, everybody tries to be there, and it's ridiculously expensive to be there. Up top, you've got this, these messages that are coming at you from every possible angle. So on one level, the consumer who's standing in the middle of it all, they have no clue where to look. They just don't know where to look. Mm -hmm. It's just coming at them from all angles. Overwhelming. Now, the important part, yeah, it's completely overwhelming. Now, what's interesting to me is that it's the other side of Times Square which is down below on street level. Now, on street level, you've got entrepreneurs of a completely different nature who cannot afford to live up top, but they can be more aggressive. They can be more targeted. You're not exactly sure what their business model is. You're like, is this a scam? Is it like, what is this? You're right. steering me into a comedy club. Are you making a percentage of like what's going on here? And you're not exactly sure if they're just going to pick up the whole table and be gone tomorrow. And so not only do you not know where to look, but you don't know who to trust. That, to me, I think that dynamic is where business is today, that we have new players in every single industry, and they just got here, and they don't look like the establishment, and their models are completely different from the establishment, and they're making their money in different places. We're not exactly sure if they're going to be here tomorrow because there is no legacy. And they could be, you know, they're really, really specific and targeted in the people that they're approaching because they're so nimble. 
And we're not exactly sure if we can trust that. It's the, it's the, that's the battle. Do I go with the people I know who've been here for a really long time but are really maybe too perfect and they're just a member of the establishment and they're all the same? Or do I go down below where the business model sounds interesting and neat, but these folks just got here? Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I can trust them. And, and then I would say the same thing for leaders, the same thing like this for leaders, where up top you've got the traditional leaders who's wearing a traditional business suit, and I mean suit both in a non-gender specific way. Right. Uh, and, you know, they've got gray hair and they're dressed to the nines and they've got an MBA from a respective business school. And those leaders look and act and sound a certain way. And then you've got these new nimble leaders. They're a lot younger. They're wearing hoodies and vests. And they're not talking like the establishment, and their approach to leadership is completely different. And we're not exactly sure whether we trust them because they just don't have the experience. In yeah, a lot of cases, they're they a lot looser too. Category. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's it's on on all levels in business that we're we're all sitting in the middle of Times Square, and we have no clue where to look, and we don't know who to trust. And you have created this model: think, do, say. Break that down for us so that, uh, yeah, you're talking about consumers don't know how to trust or who to trust, but at the same time, brands are trying to, there's so much, it's overwhelming, the messages, you were blessed to live in an age where information is so accessible, but it's a double-edged sword. Too much of it means you don't really hear anything at times. So break it down for us, that model, the think-do-say approach. Yeah, if you want to cut through and you want to build trust for the long haul, then it starts with aligning your think, do, and your say. So the think side is what do you believe? And and by believe, I mean, what do you believe beyond what you sell? Because if you sell sleeping bags or you sell running shoes, like, come on, I can, there's a million different ways for me to get that, a million different players coming at me. And if you're just going to say that you've got the best sleeping bag, I'm not going to trust it because I just hear that from everybody. So what do you firmly believe in beyond what you sell? And that allows you to resonate from a couple of different uh, reasons. One is that it takes a higher road. You're not going for, you know, for the hard sale. And two, it diversifies your portfolio because now if you believe in something, you define yourself by not the thing you sell. You can sell other stuff. You can mm-hmm. move into other markets. You can, you, know, you can expand your portfolio. The third reason is that not enough people are doing it, that we're exhausted. And the term I use is we're exhausted from getting pitch slapped which is every possible angle, people are coming at us with pitches and promotions and price points and feeds and speeds. And what, what can we just, how do we cut through that noise? Well, we cut through by believing in something more. That probably helps you with your employee attraction and retention as well. We we sell sleeping bags here. We make sleeping bags here. Uh, Big yawn, you know, I want to do something more purposeful in my life. But if in making the sleeping bags, you're, I don't know, you're protecting people from hyperthermia when they're in really cold environments. I don't know, I'm just making that up as I go, but you get the idea. There's something, a higher level kind of thing that they're working at besides just making sleeping bags. And so that also helps with your employee and your culture. Oh, Kelly, you're good. (laughs) Not really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're bang on. You're bang on. That more and more, really, I'm going to go work at a telco or a CPG or what, you know, what is going to draw me in talent is a huge issue for a lot of a lot of organizations and a lot of industries and so if you go look we're not just yeah we're selling the thing but that's not how we define ourselves and we define ourselves by something more important people define themselves with their work they just don't want to define themselves with what they sell 
Uh, and so if you, as an organization, believe in something more, yeah, you're going to get some people who, who also want to believe in something more. That kind of leads into the do. Yeah, so the do is, okay, we've cut through, we believe in something. Second part, well, I don't buy that unless I see it in action. And, you know, when I talk to organizations about the belief side, they go, oh, no, we have values. In fact, if you go to our website and you click our values, you'll see them listed right there. And I, and I will usually say I'm calling BS on that because I know what you did, right? You went up to some resort north of whatever city you operate in. <laughs> And you, you huddled around a flip chart, and somebody was like, I need values. You know, and then you're like, oh, what about accountability? You know, you're like, you just these randomly generated words that sound great. And I'm not saying you don't go through the exercise of articulating what you believe, but if you don't follow those up with actions that reinforce them, they're absolutely useless. I shouldn't read your values. I should experience your values. And I only experience your values through the actions that your people take the decisions that you make. And what's great about that is that now now you have a guide for your actions. And as we've seen this, like, you know, so many new platforms come out and stuff. I just, my friend Warren Tomlin has a phrase he used called the random acts of digital, where people are just doing stuff and they're not, they're not tied back to anything. So how do you align your actions? And that's based on, well, who you do it for and what they want you to do and who you do it with. But the action part, that is the most important part because now that's what leads to that. What is, that's what it has led to consumers not trusting brands mm-hmm. or employees not trusting leaders because the think and the say are aligned. You believe in this and you talk about it a lot, but you never actually do it. And I'm, yeah, I'm calling BS and internally that's when you get eye roll. Yeah. And there's more accountability these days. You think about, all the money that some of these major brands spend on creating that brand, but then the leader, the CEO, goes out and publicly does something that all of that, all of the work that everybody did to create that brand is gone in in just a nanosecond sometimes. Exactly, exactly. You know, what we call an integrity gap is when the actions, you know, don't align with with the beliefs. In your nanosecond approach, it's like it can either be 60 minutes on the phone because someone's actions didn't align with what the organization supposedly stands for. Mm-hmm. And you don't need me to bring up the hundreds of examples of like, oh, my gosh, how could that happen? This brand is going down. But it can also be paper cut, paper cut, paper cut, paper yeah. cut, paper cut. Small little fairly insignificant things, but over time they just add up and consumers just start to back away and go, eh, I'm not buying it. So we've got the think, we've got the do. Where does the say come in? So the say is, if you believe in something more important and you consciously act with intent to reinforce those beliefs, well, not only is that worth talking about, but it's something people want to talk about. This, but it's what they want to hear. So if you are going to talk about it, well, you should probably talk about it in a really authentic way, in a really honest way, in a really transparent way. You should talk about it in a way that's memorable because because you're all about the belief, getting more people on side is not getting selling more people your products. It's that the more you talk about it and the more memorable you make it, the more people think what you think. 
And enough of those people, trust me, they're going to convert. When you talk about memorable, give us some examples. You're talking about storytelling so people remember them. Are you talking about something else? hundred uh, percent. I mean, it can be everything from quick little phrases that people remember. I mean, very clear example here is if we use Red Bull as an example. Mm-hmm. And I know certainly in the content marketing space, Red Bull is used a lot. But if we look at it from a think-do-say standpoint, so the think side, what do they believe? Well, they don't believe what they sell. They believe that a kick in the butt or living life on the edge is a more exciting way to live. So that's what they think. Well, what do they do to reinforce that belief? Well, they sent a man to space. I mean, if you want an example of living on the edge, they sent a guy to space. Yeah, how much know? more but, but, on the edge can you be? Yeah, right? You know, and that's kind of a PR stunty kind of thing, which is great. But they also, I mean, we all know about Red Bull media. We all know about the kind of, you know, extreme sports that Red Bull constantly not only sponsors and supports, but shoots and invests in. So that's what they do. And then their product is strategically linked, right? It's not like, like they make a caffeinated beverage that gives you a jolt. So yes, they believe in something that goes beyond what they sell, but their belief is strategically linked to what they sell. It's not totally random. And then the third part is, well, what do they say that reinforces the belief and proves their actions and is memorable enough? Well, they say Red Bull gives you wings, you know, and mm-hmm. they say it in an interesting way, and it's and we all know it, and we know it when we hear it. So it can be either that, you know, kind of pithy, or it can be stories that people relate to and resonate with. It can it can use language that doesn't sound too scripted and too perfect because that's not how people talk, but it can be really authentic and more representative of real conversation. And we've seen this in politics. And I'm not saying we should see it in politics. We know, right, that consumers, a lot of voters have said, like, I want to elect a person I want to have a beer with. And why is that? Why does that happen? Well, it happens because the establishment was talking too perfectly. They were, they were too scripted and, and they didn't trust that. Yeah. They want authenticity. Yeah, they want authenticity. They want someone who talks like they talk. You know, I would argue that we need a little bit of both. That you know, that we need somebody who has the goods and who talks like. So this doesn't just apply at work or to brands. This formula, this approach, can apply with anything, really. A hundred percent. We apply this thinking not only to big, large, multinational brands. We apply it to people. So we work with Olympians and professional athletes and uh, CEOs and uh, thought leaders, and we apply the think-to-say framework to developing their own personal brand. If a listener today says, ah, well, first we'll tell them how to get the book, but they read the book, they've heard this podcast, like, this is right, I've been thinking this, we just haven't done it, we need to make a shift, what would be the first thing they need to do to get started? I think what they have to do is they have to look at the roadmap that they would like to go down. And what I mean by that is, is this something that they as a person don't have a grasp on and they want to start with themselves? Or is it something that they want to apply organizationally, you know, uh, across the entire organization? And if that is across the organization, the first thing I think you need to do is you need to get people on side to starting the exercise. Because, you know, I did this with a very large uh, pharmaceutical, global pharmaceutical company. And what we did was we looked at the organization's think-do-say, and we had the CEO get up after going through a whole bunch of consulting on it. And our CEO said, as an organization, this is what we believe. This is what we have done and will do to reinforce that belief. 
and here's how we're going to talk about it. Then the CMO got up and said, and marketing, we also believe that, specific to marketing, the discipline, we believe marketing is part of science. Now, what are we going to do to reinforce that belief? Well, we've hired a new brand agency. We're working on a new data capability, blah, blah, blah. And here's how we're going to talk about it. And then sales got up and said, here's how we're going to think about it. Or here's what we believe. Here's what we're going to do about it. And here's how we're going to talk about it. And so every single division of the company did think, do, say for their own discipline. And then I came in and, and dealt with every single individual employee. That's total alignment where the individual says, this is what I think, what I do, and what I say based on what my division thinks, does, and says, which is based on what the organization thinks, does, and says. So it's really looking at that organizational-wide map. If you're just, if you're just looking to you know, do a one-time exercise that looks good in a PowerPoint deck, I'd say don't call me. It's nice, yeah. but it's just, you really need to commit to, to seeing it through. Yeah, this is something that is ongoing. There's not, there, there might be a beginning, but it, it's continuous. Once you, once you start going down this path, if you deviate from it and you become incongruent in any one of those areas, then it's, it's over <laughs> or you're going to be rebuilding the brand, I guess, if, if you do. Ron, this has yeah. been a fascinating conversation. Your book is even a more interesting read. Lots of great stuff in it. Where can people get a copy? Uh, wherever they buy their books, both online, offline, print, uh, digital, Kindle, audio, through wherever you get your audio books, it's available everywhere, even in airport bookstores ah. throughout the greater United States of America. Think, Do, Say, How to Seize Attention and Build Trust in a Busy, Busy World by Ron Tite. Ron, thank you so much for being our guest today. You can find out more about Ron, too, at rontite.com. Go out there and, and learn more about him and the services that he has to offer and his other books, too. He has more than this one. So thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Talking Business Now. We really appreciate you joining us today and sharing all these insights with us. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you very much. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun. And to everybody listening out there, hey, thanks for uh, for taking the time. And I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to visit the Talking Business Now website at talkingbusinessnow.com for access to all my podcasts and to sign up for the weekly Talking Business Now newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.